What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Spinning Sports Podcast. That's Landon Bethay. My name is Grayson Singleton, and today our entire show was going to be dedicated to the draft and that Aaron Rodgers happened. So let's go ahead and kick off with that. So right, so the night got started hours before the draft even kicked off, as Aaron Rodgers has told the Green Bay Packers he wants nothing to do with returning to the team for the 2021 season. Now, Packers general manager Brian Gutekunst has has said that they will not trade Aaron Rodgers. The 49ers did inquire about Rodgers during the draft, but no deal was to be made. So as we head into the 2021 season, as the first round of the NFL draft is in the books, Landon, what is just your reaction to this whole situation in Wisconsin right now? Well, I think it's funny because one of the things that I I saw was a little meme. It said, this night is about 32 kids getting their dreams to become true, and it, and Rodgers made it all about him. The most Aaron Rodgers thing, too. It is the most Aaron Rodgers thing. But I can't say I necessarily blame him for being frustrated with Green Bay, but I can say he probably will not be satisfied elsewhere as much as he would be behind that offensive line in Green Bay. Now, I know he's frustrated because they've been one game away two years in a row, and it seems like they're always just one game away. But if you look at it, they've got a pretty good defensive line. Their secondary could use some help. You also have the best, if not one of the best receivers from the past season and the past couple seasons. Then you have a receiving core, which is I would say is pretty solid to complement Devontae Adams. And you have one of the better running backs in the league. And then you're behind probably the best, if not one of the best offensive lines in the league. So I'm trying to see why he's upset with everyone else. And maybe it's the front office because they do not draft well to complement him. And that is would have to be. That would have to be what it is. But at the same time, you're on field the players on the field and the production on the field from those players isn't lacking in any way. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of confused why he's throwing such a fit about it. So let's talk about in that light, since you mentioned you don't think he'll be any more satisfied elsewhere. Let's talk about that wish list that Aaron Rodgers has that you brought up as we were about to start the show. So he has said that he would want to go to either the Las Vegas Raiders, my Denver Broncos, or the San Francisco 49ers. And let's just talk, let's say for a second, because I mentioned the 49ers inquired about him. Would he be any more satisfied on the 49ers? Because I think he be, he probably could be. I, I, I That is a situation I can see that him being more satisfied just because that team is stacked around him. And so if he wants to go somewhere where the team is stacked around him and that way he can play football and not worry about having to really put the team on his back as much, then that's probably the place to go. Now, will the 49ers be able to pull that off? Because there's no way Green Bay is going to give just give Rodgers away for of course for very like it's going to take a lot as it should and so if you think about it he goes to San Francisco he has one of the better defenses in the league all the way around and then he's got a he's got an offense that made Jimmy G look pretty good a couple of years back and then everyone's returning he's got the best if not the second best tight end in the league right now San Francisco would be a great situation for him I'd like to see him in either Las Vegas or in Denver just to go see that Rodgers uh, Mahomes matchup twice a year would be great but if you go to Vegas you're it's the Raiders right so you're setting yourself up now I I personally think the Raiders are a a great fit for Rodgers do you because Derek Carr is I think a lot of quarterbacks would would like 
playing in Vegas. I believe that that team is is very close, and they're in a very tough division, and they have also one of the better tight ends in the league in Darren Waller. So, so since since you mentioned that, is the weapon the we- the weapon arsenal in Vegas that much more different than in Green Bay? Because you mentioned what he has in Green Bay, right? And it seems like the Raiders have one bona fide star yeah. target, Darren Waller, as compared to Devontae Adams, and then just a bunch of other supplementary pieces. Not to mention that Vegas, they don't really have a good defense, right. and we don't know about their offensive line because they cut or traded everybody. So would that situation be so much better than Green Bay as opposed to if you went to San Francisco or even Denver? I think Green Bay is definitely the the better situation for Rodgers when it comes to Green Bay versus Las Vegas. I think he would enjoy his time in Vegas. I think it would be a change of pace for him. He'd get to kind of have a, a new start, which is probably, he's probably just tired of the same old thing, because he's not really accomplishing. Right. I mean, he's accompli- he's won the MVP in Green Bay, so I can't you can't take that away from him. But as far as team success, he's gone to the playoffs almost every year, yet he doesn't really make a move in the playoffs. He goes to the AFC, or I mean the NFC title game, and he loses. I don't see him having any better results in Vegas. Denver, possibly, just because I think, I think Denver has a better roster. I think I think the order that that wish list we were talking about, mm-hmm. it should be if you're Rodgers and you want to go win a ring, which I'm assuming that's why he wants out of Green Bay, you have San Francisco, then Denver, and then Vegas. I think that's the, the order of those three teams. I was kind of surprised to see Vegas on there. I was too. But I'd be interested to see how he plays there. I think he would be, obviously it's Rodgers, so he's going to play probably pretty well wherever he goes. Mm-hmm. But Vegas would be interesting because I think him and Darren Waller could go on a tear. I think Denver, and all all bias aside, I think Denver would be the most realistic fit. Because I think if San Francisco was going to pull off a trade for Aaron Rodgers, it would have been last night before they they took Trey Lance with number three pick, and we'll get to that in just a second. But because I was of the mindset when I first saw the news, my first thought was Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the Packers quarterback week one. Because I have no inclination that Jordan Love will be the Packers starting quarterback come week one in September. But if, when, it, when it comes to Denver, you have a good running back in Melvin Gordon. I think they'll draft another one sometime in this draft, maybe Saturday. You have two receivers, you know, a former Pro Bowl receiver in Cortland Sutton. You have the top receiver from last year's draft, Jerry Judy. A tight end that looks like he's going to be a star, Noah Fant. And that defense looks like it's being rebuilt back to that level right. when they won the Super Bowl back in 2015. So I think Denver is the most realistic spot. What Green Bay has going for them is that they can ask for a ton for Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers with the contract is so easy to move because there's no guaranteed money left on that contract, which locks him to whichever team for the next three years. So Green Bay can up the price higher than if they did higher than if they could if there was guaranteed money left on that contract. But I think Denver's the most realistic landing spot for Aaron Rodgers. So I think it'd be interesting because it'd be kind of a Peyton Manning-esque situation if Rodgers were to go to, to Denver. Yeah. I think it'd be interesting because then he would go there and it would it would give Denver, I believe, a, just a new start in that division. It would be interesting. I, selfishly, I would love to see him go to that division just to see him play Mahomes and just to see those two beat up each other. You know, Who knows what, what would happen in that division? I just... I, I wanted to kind of Go back a little bit. When you said you don't think Jordan Love will be the quarterback for Green Bay, I thought that was interesting. I mm-hmm. think that's a very interesting discussion that be had, and I want to hear your your thoughts because for me, I think Jordan Love 
could and probably will be their quarterback if Rodgers isn't there because I think they drafted him and they want to see him go. So this has nothing to do with any of my opinions <laughs> or assertions on Jordan Love. This isn't that is entirely mm-hmm. focused on and based on what we've all been hearing coming out of Green Bay and that the Packers are not in love with Jordan Love's skill set and coupled with the fact that he was inactive for most of last season. He wasn't even dressed as the backup for last season, which is odd for a first-round quarterback that you traded up to get. So I think that the Packers, they're not even sure if they even like Jordan Love in the first place. That's why I'm less confident that Jordan Love will be the starter week one. No, okay, that makes a lot of sense. I see what you're saying. I think it's weird, too. I think it was a very... Last year when they picked him, I was bamboozled to Probably say the one best. of the weirdest things that have ever happened. Well, because it, it just didn't make sense to me. It There was no reason. And Rodgers let him know when he won MVP. I mean, he went out there and he, he showed them why they shouldn't have drafted a quarterback or his replacement. And maybe they were trying to have a little Favre and Rodgers situation again where Love takes over when, when Rodgers goes out. And who knows what it was. But... I'm very disappointed in Green Bay as a whole. Yeah. They have sort of they haven't done their best, I feel like, to compliment Rodgers. I think they have complimented Rodgers and you can't deny the talent that's around him right now on the offensive side of the ball. But I don't feel like they've done their best. No. And that comes from the draft. I believe the one thing that the one aspect that they were missing was the fact that they didn't support him in the draft. They didn't give him any first rounders or anything of the sorts. That's why I can see Rodgers being disappointed and being just, I think a lot of the words were, I believe irate was a, a quote that was thrown around a lot. That's a solid word to describe Aaron Rodgers right now. I'd be interested to see how he did on another team because that's kind of been the the, the question and the discussion for a while is Rodgers needs, for, I would even say since the back half of last season when a lot of people thought he was going to be a Chicago Bear for a while. We'll talk about the Bears here in a minute as to why a lot of people are feeling bad for Justin Fields. But let's go ahead and transition from Aaron Rodgers to the main, what was supposed to be the main story right. of last night, and that was the 2021 NFL Draft. And for the third time ever, three quarterbacks were taken in the first round as the Jacksonville Jaguars pre- predictably took Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson, Zach Wilson from BYU went to the Jets, and Trey Lance, the North Dakota State product who followed Carson Wentz, was selected by the San Francisco 49ers. And we knew what was going to happen with one and two. Yes. We, we've known that probably for the last month. What happened at three, obviously three was where we all thought, oh, here comes the draft. The draft is going to get started. Right. So, and we, and we discussed ad nauseum on this show and others about why we didn't think Mac Jones should have been the pick, and he wasn't. So what is your reaction to San Francisco taking Trey Lance and where San Francisco's course of action is going into the season? You know, I think it makes a lot of sense the more and more I think about it because now we know why they've been shopping Jimmy G but they haven't necessarily gotten rid of him yet mm-hmm. and that's because I believe Trey Lance will go in as the backup Jimmy G's going to start then they're just going to play it by ear from there if Jimmy G Jimmy G's kind of in a reverse role now that he was when he was in Foxborough yes. he's in a position now to keep that starting job I think they're going to give him a shot and they're going to give him a run and if he does well he's going to stay in but then I believe after probably five weeks which I think you're going to see in a lot of situations next year 
I think Mac Jones might be a prime example of that too. Once that starting quarterback shows any inclination of not not performing that the to the ability that they're they are required to, mm-hmm. then Trey Lance is probably going to get a shot. And I believe it's going to create a lot of it's going to create some dynamic offense in San Francisco. Not only that, but it's going to change the pace of that offense. And I do believe it's going to benefit them. Yeah. So well, if last night didn't tell us anything else, them selecting Trey Lance does prove does solidify that Jimmy Garoppolo will be on the 49ers roster this season because right. Trey Lance is not ready to start week one. We all know this. I think had they successfully moved Jimmy G, the pick would have been Justin Fields or even Mac Jones still wouldn't have liked it any better. But the fact that this is now Jimmy Garoppolo, I love what you mentioned about Jimmy Garoppolo now in that reverse role that mm-hmm. he was in New England because this is Jimmy Garoppolo's job up until Trey Lance takes it. Right. And it's different than the Ryan Fitzpatrick Tua Tonga Vailoa thing that was going on in Miami when that they were just waiting for Ryan Fitzpatrick to do Ryan Fitzpatrick. Right. I think now they're just waiting till they believe Trey Lance is ready, and it, it may have unless Jimmy G blows our doors off and is right. an MVP candidate. I believe that Jimmy Garoppolo could play mediocre to good football. And the 49ers will still insert Trey Lance at some point because this is their their plan. Their plan right. is not to have Jimmy Garoppolo start the entire season. Their plan is just to bide enough time for Trey Lance. And then that offense can just go absolutely ballistic because if there's one thing that these creative offensive coordinators in the NFC West, if there's one thing probably only the Cardinals have, is that they have a quarterback that can move extremely well. Russell Wilson's mobility is not what it was when he first came in the league anymore. So I so I believe that Trey Lance is probably the more most dynamic piece at the quarterback position in that division outside of maybe Kyler Murray. That's an interesting. Uh, yeah, besides Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray is definitely the most dynamic. I would even still right. say Russell Wilson is just because I believe he's relied more. I believe the reason we're saying or people are saying that he has sort of declined in his mobility is because he probably has, but it's not as drastic as we might think, because he started no. to rely on throwing the ball more, and he's he's still very elusive in the pocket. But I do agree, Trey Lance is going to add another quarterback into that division that is going to be able to beat you throwing the ball and running the ball. And I think it's going to create some entertaining football games, probably next year, but more yeah. more likely it's going to be in the next couple of years. Let's keep with the quarterback theme, and you as a Patriots fan, how do you feel about Mac Jones? Love it. I was very excited to see his name called. I knew once Trey Lance was selected at the third, Justin Fields and Mac Jones were the were the two left, and then I knew one of them was going to be a Pat. And when Justin Fields got taken by the Bears, when the Bears traded up, I knew it was Fields. I yes. didn't believe the Bears would trade up for Mac Jones. Now they are the Bears, so you can't really ever predict that they're going to do the right thing however they did they got fields and mac jones which i've been saying i watched him week one in alabama i've been saying he reminds me a lot of tom brady the way he throws the football he also reminds me a lot of matt ryan okay which i think at his worst and which i believe the comparison they showed was at his worst as an andy dalton and that's still a solid and i was gonna say if he themselves. can if he can at his worst be like andy dalton I believe now that Patriots defense, who's only improving, mm-hmm. they're younger now too. They're starting to, and now they're bringing back old veteran pieces, but they're young still. That defense is going to be good for a long time. I think Cam Newton's like it's a similar situation to San Francisco. 
Cam Newton's got the job until he wants to, or not until he wants to, but it's his job to lose at this point. Okay, so do you think it's Cam Newton's job to lose, or do you think the Patriots are just biding time to put Mac Jones in? I think that's an interesting there's, question. There's a, there's a little bit of a difference there. I think that it's, I, I believe it's a little bit of both. I believe their plan right now is to let Cam go because they have him on a one year deal. Right. And this, looking at it, it all seems like this was in the blueprint from it was it was it was just in the making mac jones is a patriot seemed like it was in the making a lot of people that video went around of belichick shaking his head i I knew i was like that's belichick would never shake his head at he would never show that sort of inclination on what he might be doing or what he might be thinking he's too professional for that I, i was very confident that mac jones would be called as a patriot and i believe now cam newton's got a year to show us what he's really got. No excuses. No. And he didn't. He was never one to make excuses for himself, but I was one to make excuses for him. As I, as did I as well. And I think a lot of people did. And so now there's really, we don't know for sure, mm-hmm. but as of right now, there's going to be no excuses for Cam. And he's going to be able to go. He's going to have the keys to the offense for about a year. And then... I think they're going to reevaluate, maybe even midseason. If he plays like he did last year, Mac Jones will probably get start around I agree. week week eight, maybe. I can see him halfway season. So the and those excuses that you brought up that included, you know, COVID cutting his off season. Right. He got COVID. There were no weapons there, right. probably even less than Tom Brady had right. in his last season. So those were like the three main excuses. Plus the defense had opt outs all over the place. Those those have been eliminated now. So this is probably. Cam Newton's maybe last shot right. at having a starting career. But the quarterback that I want to focus on from the first round of this draft was Justin Fields. And the Chicago Bears traded up from 18 all the way to 11 with the New York Giants to grab Justin Fields and try to solidify that quarterback room that now has the, has the rookie field, Nick Foles, and the newly signed Andy Dalton. So Justin Fields, to me, is the guy that got the short straw. Really? In this what? Because I don't trust Mac Nagy and general manager Ryan Pace yeah. in making decisions. And what? And even though Justin Fields, he's got weapons. Like he's got a decent running back in David Montgomery. Allen Robinson somehow is back, which I did not expect. And they've got other weapons. Darnell Moody is pretty good, but that offensive line is atrocious. And Justin Fields, for all the mobility he has, which he has a lot of, I think he has the best mobility in this draft. He is going to be behind a shaky, revolving door at the offensive line, and I think that always pans out bad for for rookie quarterbacks. Right. And we were talking about how Mac Jones, Zach Wilson. You said Zach Wilson is going to be a bust, which I still have that tape. I, I, you know, I've, I think Justin Fields, just because of where he landed, could end up being the bust of this draft. The, the Jets made a move in the draft, and I was I was I was wondering if they would. I knew they they could. But I was wondering if the Jets would. They made a move in this draft to get another first-round pick last night, yes. I believe. And I can't remember off the top of my head who they picked. I believe it was... It was Elijah Vera Tucker. Okay. Which is exactly what they should have done. Mm-hmm. The guard out of USC. Got to protect. And a lot of people said he was the best guard in the draft. And so, getting that guy to protect your quarterback, great move. Zach Wilson, I've sort of retraced my words a little bit. I don't believe he'll be... I still got the tape, though. I... I know, and it could, who knows, I think the hype around him was a little too much. I thought he was, a lot of people are comparing him to Mahomes. 
that's a really tall order. It's a lot of expectations to put on a quarterback, especially one going into the New York Jets system. Now, it is a new system now. It is a very new system. So we'll see. We will see. I don't want him to be a bust. <laughs> I never want anyone to... I never root against anyone. However, I think he's got the biggest bust potential, besides Trevor Lawrence, just because Trevor Lawrence has been projected to be the number one pick basically since he left high school. Yeah. And so... Zach Wilson is going to have an interesting career ahead of him, to say the least. But Justin Fields, on the other hand, and a lot of people, including me, have compared him to Dak Prescott with his with his mobility and his durability, and even the way that the, their arm strength. And it, it's a, I think it's a very good comparison. I think in Chicago, I think around him, besides the offensive line, I think he can't really ask for much else. That offensive line, yes, you. And we'll see what they do later in the draft. It's a very deep draft with offensive linemen. That is true. So they could make some moves. They could make another trade, maybe go up and get ER guy Tevin Jenkins. Who knows where he's going to end up? He's definitely going tonight. But as far as that division right now, the Bears are looking kind of solid. If I And the Vikings might have something to say about that. But if Aaron Rodgers is indeed out of Green Bay, which to me... I've, I can see him wearing a Green Bay Packer jersey next year. I know he said he doesn't want to play another snap for them. I think it's possible. But I sure. could see him wearing a Green Bay Packer jersey next season. But if he is indeed gone, who who really is there in that the Lions are? And now, I don't want to take away from Jared Goff or that Lions team, but think about that receiving court. They're kind of, and it's the Lions too, they're kind of thrown. They're, 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 they're going to stink. Exactly. So who in that division really is going to be a a threat? If Aaron Rodgers is not a Green Bay Packer, we could see this division look a lot like what we saw the NFC East look right. like this year. And that would be interesting. But transitioning away from Justin Fields, what team were you just most... And before I get to that, you mentioned Zach Wilson. And to me, Zach Wilson was the star of the night for all the wrong reasons. You saw you saw the meme of him taking a picture with all the receivers and right. how out of place he looked. But then also, like, dude, come on, get a more flashy suit to wear. It's, it's, it's draft night. You don't need to look like a dad. But let's talk Let's talk about just teams in general. What team do you think performed the best in the draft last night? You know, I, I think the the Miami Dolphins, to me, okay. made the, the two moves, and I was, I think everyone was either expecting Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith in that pick. Mm-hmm. And then Goodell said Jalen Waddell. And I was I was very impressed with that decision. A because I wanted Tua to team up, and it seemed like kind of a theme of the night. They were it reuniting did, yes. college players. Yes, and so Tua definitely has that relationship with Jalen Waddle. I think Jalen Waddle has the biggest potential in the draft as okay. of, out of any receiver. But I also think he's got the highest risk in the draft just because of his injury. But. I believe that that Dolphins pick is going to pan out real well for them. And then they also got Jalen Phillips, who I think is a great pick. I think he is going to fill that hole at the edge rush that they need. Mm -hmm. I'm very impressed by the Dolphins. I've been high on the Dolphins since last season when I picked them that I thought they were going to go to the playoffs. I think they're only making the right moves now. And they're going to create a very, and unfortunately for me as a Patriot fan, but they're going to create a very tough AFC. That AFC is going to be loaded. Because Buffalo's not going anywhere, New England's only getting better, right. and the Dolphins seem to have addressed a couple needs as and well. Even the Jets are getting all these and young the, guys. And the Jets shouldn't be just the look the look over team like right. they were 
over the past I'm not, couple seasons. I'm, I'm not excited to have to play Zach Wilson now. And now we'll see how he pans out. Like I right. said, but I'm not excited to have to play him. If he gets that O line in front of him, then I don't think he's going to be a bust. But that's where my and, and there's you also have to figure they don't really have any sort of running back right now. They don't have if Frank Gore comes back, they might have him. I can't think of their other. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't have they don't have they have a hole at the running back position. They, they have some weapons, not great. Their defense is lacking too. It, it's very there's there's a lot of holes to fill in that Jets too. And I don't think this season, and I wouldn't even say I'd say the next two seasons, they're still going to be pretty pretty subpar. Yeah, at best. But then with a couple drafts under their belt from here in the next couple seasons. The Jets are going to be a team to look out for. So the team I thought performed the best last night was a team I don't really like giving a lot of credit to, and I'm, I'm the Dallas Cowboys. Really? And here's the story of the Cowboys draft. The Cowboys, they were they were targeting a corner. I think they made that obvious when they traded back with the Eagles. Um, I had them. I had J.C. Horn, the corner out of yeah. South Carolina, marked to them. He surprisingly went to Carolina, which I thought was a very good pick by Carolina. I agree. And then Patrick Sertan was picked up by the Denver Broncos. I'm a very happy person today with that pick. But then the Cowboys traded back. I like and that. Not only a lot. did they trade back and they got that extra third round pick, they ended up with I think the best defensive player in this draft, in Micah Parsons out of Penn State. So I really was impressed by what the Cowboys doing business with their division rival, the Eagles. Yeah, uh, I I thought they I thought I thought they came out excellent. The other team I thought out came out excellent was the Giants, and the Giants in trading with Chicago dropped all the way from eleven to twenty, and they picked up an additional first, and they picked up a couple other picks in in later rounds as well. I don't have the trade in front of me, and then they picked maybe one of the more dynamic players in the draft in Kadarius Tony out of Florida. So that offense. Is continuing to be built around Daniel Jones. I thought they might would have might wanted to have gone offensive line at that pick. Yeah, but there's still players we mentioned. Tevin, our guy Tevin Jenkins. There's other. Uh, there's still tackles left uh, to possibly shore up that offensive line. So, but I think the Giants are going to be an exciting team to watch next season. So I think the Giants and the Bears. I was very impressed with how they worked with trades. The Giants and the Cowboys. Excuse me. I think the Cowboys did pretty much everything they could do and they executed it perfectly Perfect. last night because once the corners were off the board those two corners maybe you reach on Farley maybe but then once they traded back and Micah Parsons sitting right there for him I think it was a no-brainer and they did it they capitalized on it I agree the Cowboys had a great draft I think the Baltimore Ravens also had a, a pretty good draft they drafted Rashad Bateman I think he's gonna pan out for him now it's hard it's hard to tell because Ravens receivers have a have a right. not so great track record. But then they also got edge rush. And that was the hole they needed to fill. They got Jason away at mm-hmm. Penn State. They needed because they lost Matthew they Judon. Matthew Judon, yes. And now they filled that hole and the Ravens are gonna be good. So let me ask you this. Be fine. Because I was underwhelmed by what the Ravens did with that pick that they got from Kansas City after trading Orlando Brown. I thought with that first round pick, because they're not going to pick into the back pick until again until the back end of the second round, with Tevin Jenkins sitting there, somebody who was mocked to go in the early to mid twenties, I was wondering why they did not take him or another tackle because trading Orlando Brown. So Orlando Brown is one of the best left tackles in the NFL. I thought you would have to replace him immediately. 
No, it's, it's a good point. They definitely needed to replace him in a in a way, but I think they also it's kind of not the rate they have Lamar Jackson back there, mm-hmm. and I think they trust him. They trust his mobility, and I don't think you can not trust Lamar Jackson's mobility. I think he's given you all the reason to trust his mobility. It's his arm that that brings the brings the concerns. Now, the reason I think they went edge rush is because if you think about that division right now, you think about the the Cleveland Browns, think about the Steelers, then you have you have the Bengals who honestly, that division could also be very stacked next mm-hmm. year. Who knows what the Steelers are going to do? You look at it trying to contain that offense for the not only if you have a good defensive line against the Bengals right now, I think because they didn't pick up anyone to, to to help Joe Burrow keep him. And now I think they will. I'm gonna get to that. And in I just think a it second. could be Walker Little or it could be Tevin Jenkins possibly. Okay. But I, I'm not disappointed at all with the edge rush pick. Okay. I think that was a great pick. I think they have to they have to reinsure that defense because that was kind of that's kind of been their calling card for the last couple of years. Sure. Lamar Jackson had his MVP season, but besides that, the Ravens. You think of the Ravens, you always think of defense, and so I'm not disappointed with them for trying to sure up that defensive line. Now, if you get a tackle, you can't go wrong with any of the tackles that were left last night, and so I wouldn't have been upset with that, but I really like the Jason Away pick, too. Okay, and let's go to the team you just mentioned, the Cincinnati Bengals. So at number five, they decided to take Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow's old teammate from LSU, instead of what a lot of us thought they would take in Panay Sewell, the tackle out of Oregon, to protect Joe Burrow. So what was your reaction? And And I get that you couldn't really go wrong with either of them, but continue, but considering that Joe Burrow just blew his knee out, Jonah Williams, we don't really know what he is at tackle yet or if he's even going to play tackle going forward. Do you think they should have gone Panay Sewell, or do you like the fact that they got Jamar Chase? I like Jamar Chase. I think that was a pick that's definitely going to put butts in seats next year for Bengals fans. Of course. And also, I believe Joe Burrow was instrumental in bringing, that, bringing him in. I think he definitely had a say in that, and I think it, at that point, the whole point of picking Penny Sewell is to make your quarterback happy. But if your quarterback wants Jamar Chase and he's going to be happy with that, not only do you bring fans, but you also bring a happy quarterback and you even add a weapon to that offense. That's also going to help Joe Burrow, but it's also going to help the other Joe. It's going to help Joe Mixon because for a while there, there hasn't been much of a, a passing game. And now he's going to have the ability to run the ball more effectively because they're not going to be honed in on the run. Okay, And so now that you're kind of completing that offense, yes, you need the offensive line still, and Mixon will want the offensive line. And obviously, as a running back, you need an offensive line. But they're at, what, they're at 38 right now, 38 overall. They very well could still get a pretty good... A pretty good... A pretty good tackle. Yeah, and they'll be... Let's just bring up our guy, Tevin Jenkins, again. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars might go Tevin... But there's about four teams before Cincinnati. I was going to say Cincinnati might want to make a trade. Yeah, if that's the if that's who they want. Now who knows what they want? But the offensive linemen that are still left, there's still a good selection left, and I think that's that's why teams kind of waited in the back half of that draft because they knew that they were going to still be available in the second round. It's it's interesting because. I was really hoping to see Tevin go last night mm-hmm. as a as a OSU alum. I think he's going to probably be one of the better tackles taken in this draft because he is 
maybe for what he was rated, he's going to be one of the better better linemen because he, I believe he's going to benefit any team that he's on. He's going to complement their O-line. The Jaguars are going to benefit. They're going to get their guy for their quarterback. The Jets might also just double up. Why not? And then you also have the Falcons who could very well, you don't, I don't know what they're yeah. going to do. So I was just looking at the remaining tackles. You have Tevin Jenkins, Liam Eichenberg, Dylan Reduz, and Walker Little, like you mentioned. All of them have a grade of 80 or higher. Exactly. So, like you said, this this tackle draft is very deep, and you can still get a quality tackle at number two. Look, I, I love that the fact that they got Jamar <laughs> Chase. That's going to be an elite receiving core, because I think T. Higgins was fantastic yeah. last season. And they still have Tyler Boyd, and they still have an Auden Tate's no. He, he's still gonna he's gonna have some production for him next year. So I think Joe Burrow has something to work with. That defense is not is not that shabby, right? Jesse Bates, I still think is one of the more underrated defensive backs in the game. So we'll we'll see how it goes. They signed Trey Hendrickson as well to try to get some pass rush. What I want to discuss now: who are the best players that you see? And before and before we get to that, and before we get to that, um, so an, an event happened last Saturday. It was UFC 250, what was it? It was, two, it was UFC 260, two, crap, 261. This is Landon's thing. This is my thing. <laughs> UFC 261. But, I, yes, Camaro uh, Usman won by a knockout. And spectacular in a very in very dramatic and spectacular fashion. It was it was quite a spectacle. It was. So uh, go go ahead. What do you, what well, I just I want yeah. to kind of discuss it and react to it a little bit. It was it's it was a little, it's been a little while since it happened. It was last Saturday night. Mm-hmm. I just want Jorge Masvidal has never been knocked out in his MMA career, and he's fought a lot of fights. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but it's it's getting close. It's definitely plus 40. And he's never been knocked out. For him to get knocked out the way he did is crazy. So that brings me to to my next point. Kamara Usman is a top 5 MMA fighter of all time in the making, and we are watching it right now. In his last 5 fights, he beat Jorge Masvidal twice. He beat, he beat Gilbert Burns by knockout. And he also beat Kobe Covington, who is a very elite striker and an overall great fighter in the UFC, which I believe that rematch is right around the corner. He knocked him out. And he also beat who a lot of people considered a top five fighter of all time in Tyron Woodley. So his resume is starting to speak for itself. He's now has He now has five title defenses. And he is a very active fighter, and he's one of the most complete fighters in the UFC on the UFC roster. And he's the number one pound for pound fighter in the world right now for UFC. So, just a quick tidbit: I want to just let everyone know next time they watch Kamara Usman to take it in because we might be watching. And now, obviously, he could get hit by one punch, or he can anything can happen in the fight game, and it could it could put an end to all this talk. But to me, watching him, he is the best fighter in the world right now. I believe I would put him as the best welterweight of all time, even over George St. Pierre, which a lot of the MMA community may not agree with that. But I think he's the best welterweight of all time. I think if you, barring career-ending injury, you could see him pass George St. Pierre. I think George St. Pierre, you know, longevity, obviously. Right. We talk about the greatest of all time. Definitely, he still has that over him, but time will tell, but everything else, ditto. 
Right. Kamaru Usman is a fantastic. And he's fighter. from Dallas, or he resides in Dallas, Texas, I believe. I did not know that. So that's, that's that is something special. Gotta gotta support the Dallas guys, I guess. Absolutely. So let's get back to the draft, and I've got one more before we go get into something fun that I did not tell you about. Nice. I like those segments. Yeah. Which which first round player which which player did you expect to go in the first round that didn't? Oh, Tevin Jenkins is one. Trevon Merrick is another. I expected, although now that I think about it, the Vikings were the only team that, the Vikings and the Raiders were the two teams I was like, okay, he's probably going to go to one of those teams. Mm -hmm. Once they passed on him, not too surprised that he fell. Kind of surprised Elijah Moore slipped. There's a lot of, this draft is stacked in talent, and that's why I think really, I was a little surprised with Walker Little. I, I can't say too, too surprised. But as far as I think Tevin Jenkins was the biggest surprise just because he was expected to go from mid to late uh, first round. And I thought he was one of the better tackles that got kind of just glazed over. And so I'm a little disappointed that he didn't go, but it is what it is. And he's he's our guy. So yeah, right. He'll go tonight, though. I think so. And another guy I think will go tonight is Trayvon Merrick. He was the guy that I was really focused on. I was I, I was so flustered as or befuddled as to why yeah, i didn't know yeah because i because i thought he would have been a perfect fit with minnesota now that anthony harris is no longer there i thought he would have been a decent fit with the chargers as well because uh, to be a free safety alongside derwin james who plays more like a troy polamalu jamal adams type of player that blit that kind of like a blitz safety kind of person jeremiah owusu koromoa that was a surprise. Who might be the most athletic linebacker yeah. in this draft? He's ex- he's excellent in coverage. He can rush the pass. He can rush the passer. Obviously, he has the size to stop the run. I I was very surprised. He has a grade of ninety one. So I'm I was a little surprised, which is higher than Micah Parsons, by the way. So I was I was surprised that he did not go in the first round as well. But other than that, I think this might be the most interesting round too. I that agree we, that we've had in a long time. And this to me was one of my favorite drafts that I ever took part in or watched because I felt like every team got better. I agree. There were no, there was, there were some picks where you're like, Oh, well that's interesting. But I think every team significantly got better. And that's the point of the draft. I think an underrated pickup is Caleb Farley to Tennessee to, to shore up that secondary because they lost a Dory Jackson. So now that now you bring in Janoris Jenkins, Logan Ryan is still there. Logan Ryan is not still there. Excuse me. But you have Bayard, Desmond King is gone, so you bring in Caleb Farley, who I think has the best ball skills of any corner in this draft. So I think that was an underrated pickup as well. I agree. I think Farley's going to be a great pickup for the Titans. I agree. I think the second round is going to be one of the more interesting second rounds just because of all the first-round talent that is now going to get to go in the second round. Yes. I also think if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play their cards right, they go pick up Kyle Trask. Okay, and then that is, and I think I've been saying the Bucks should try to get Trask. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been upset or disappointed. I wouldn't have thought it was a bad pickup if they re- just reached for him at thirty-two, because they really don't need anything right now. Right, and so if they can go get Trask, they're gonna because Brady's got two years left, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe more. We don't know at this point. He just keeps playing. You get a guy like Trask with the talent that Trask has, the arm and the the I would even say accuracy, accuracy too. He's yeah. a very he's a very impressive passer. You get him, let Brady mentor him for a little bit, let him watch Brady. Then t- he gets the keys to the offense once Brady's gone. 
I think that's just a great fit for Trask and the Buccaneers. So I believe that that could be something we see tonight. If it's not, I'm going to be disappointed because I've been calling for that for a while, and I think it'd be one of the more interesting picks. But as far as everyone else, teams are still going to get first-round talents tonight, and they're going to get to fill those needs, that they, especially the, the first, I would say, 10 picks tonight. You could see a lot of great, great players go off the board. And I think it's going to create another interesting draft night. One last, one last note about the draft. Alabama tied the 2004 Miami Hurricanes for the most players with six to go in oh, the first yeah. round. And if the Buccaneers had taken the guy that I told them to take, Christian Barmore, Alabama would have had I, that record. I thought, that, I thought Barmore was definitely going to go in the first round, too. That is another one that I was surprised about. Why don't these people listen? They can make history. No, they... It's crazy to me that that Alabama team, personally, just a quick little tidbit, I think that Alabama team this year was better than that LSU team in 2019. Last year, right, if that makes sense. I think that this Alabama team was the better team, one of the better teams that we have ever seen. And I think last night only proved that to be true. So, but let's get to this, let's get to this unexpected segment. I'm kind of excited. I I love to have a little fun here and... Both of us, which if you don't see us walking around in normal life, both of us have very interesting and differing fashion senses. Oh, no. So, where is this? this uh, okay, I kind of see where this is going. One of my favorite parts of the draft is not just, you know, the stories of the players and the trades and where everybody ends up. It's what the guys are wearing is one of my favorite parts of the draft. Right off the top of your head, who do you think won the suit game? Crap. Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase. Okay. Jamar Chase is one off the top of my head. I can't think of anyone else, but he was wearing the all-white suit. I believe that was very, I thought that was very, uh, whatever term, terminology you want to use to describe it, clean, uh, whatever it is, I thought that was great. I like the all-white suit, and I think he wore it, he executed it well. I, it's just, I'm a little took Aww. off guard here by this uh this question, so I'm I not going to lie. So I did my job. You did, do, you did do your job. No, but I think he definitely won the night, I guess, in the suit, in the suit department. So, let's, so, so here's, here's, in my, here's my favorite. Number one was Jalen Waddle, And the ensemble okay, yeah, that, his was he, good too. That, that he had with the... And I, and I love that, unlike Jamar Chase, he came out in the sunglasses yeah. when he went to go uh, greet the commissioner. So I think that I think that I thought that was pretty fun. Yeah, okay, I remember his now. His was good too. There were a lot of great suits. I feel like the Alabama guys showed, no, even, showed out. Yeah, even Mac Jones. Even Mac Jones, who I, I loved. I was like, if you think about one of the Alabama guys that would not deliver in the suit game, it, Mac Jones was that guy, and he still, I think, I, I delivered. Mac Jones was was very good. <laughs> his walk was so funny out yes. to the. So was Devonte Smith. How he walked out the most Devonte Smith way you yes. can. Think of just arm. He's got such long arms. It's got such a long wingspan. Devonte Smith to me with his outfit was a little much because you think so because if you go from like across the chest, you had the pocket square, then you had the bow tie, and then you had the initials on there. And I was like, pick either the initials or the pocket square. Well, he is the Heisman, so he can do whatever he, he wants. He can do whatever he wants. Who am I to tell him how to dress? Definitely has more money than I do now. But yeah, he's got a lot more money than a lot of us do now. <laughs> but one of the guy, the the one guy who I believe was a little unorthodox, and this is the way I hope to dress as I continue to get older. Michael Parsons, man, because if you if you know me and a lot of uh, the guys know this about me, what do I love to wear? Basketball shoes? No, turtlenecks. 
Oh yeah, you do. I that was I. Sh- you do like your basketball shoes, though. I do like my basketball shoes. In As fact, a matter of fact, I am wearing Jordan. I'm not wearing basketball shoes right now, but I will, I will be wearing Jordans to a country music festival tonight. So if you can't get more out of place than that, Parsons did look good. Though, I think about it. The turtleneck and then the navy blue. And the cowboy. He, it's it, like it was, he knew. It was Cowboys. Yeah, it's blue like he too. knew. So I I thought he was fantastic. I was a little bit interest. I was a little bit concerned about the ear choice, the ear, the earring choice, but we won't go into that. But aside from Michael Parsons, I liked Najee Harris with the little Christmas looking attire yeah, at his that house. Was good. That was very interesting. And also, so those of us that were watching the draft together when Caleb Farley was announced, Caleb Farley was just by himself in that room. Did that did, yeah. did that catch your attention too? I, I'm not gonna lie, I saw a guy in a Titans hat with like and it looked like he really wasn't even dressed that he wasn't dressed up that much. Right. I thought it was just a fan that was excited. I didn't know who it was. I'm not going to lie. I That was the first time I've seen Caleb Farley without a helmet on. Mm. And so I didn't really know what he looked like. And when they showed that, I was like, who is this guy? And then like, I was like, oh, that's Caleb Farley. I was a little confused. So, yeah, no, he, I don't know, maybe that he went to another room for the the little camera yeah. interview thing. I don't know. If you remember, which did, that took me off guard. I was wondering, I was like, well, where's the family? Cause, right. But... No, Caleb Farley, he was going to attend the draft, but then tested positive for the coronavirus. Yeah. Yeah, I, it took me a minute to remember. I was like, now this makes sense. Right. So, but before we close, any other final takeaways from the NFL draft? It was round one. I thought it was, as far as NFL drafts go, it was, like you said, it was one of the ones I was more invested in. I thought it was one of the more interesting ones as well. I think it, every team pretty much made the right move. I will say tonight a team that could really improve off of one player i think the cardinals should go after javante williams out okay. of North, uh, North carolina okay they fill that void at running back uh, they did just get james connor if i'm not mistaken yes but i'm not too high on james connor okay however javante williams is the power f- or the pro football focus number one rated Back in this draft, yes, he is, and he's still there. So, whatever team gets him, I I believe is going to benefit a surmountable, like a, a lot. I'll just say. But the one pick I was very just dis- uh, surprised with and a little disappointed was the Jaguars. They picked Travis Etienne. You were disappointed in that. I was okay. Why? Because they have their running back. You think Robinson is, is the I guy? I thought he was their running back. He okay. had a very good season last year. Rookie, too. Mm-hmm. But now they have a double back set. But that was just one of my takeaways. I thought they didn't need ETN. I think they could have gone somewhere else. I think they could have gotten an O-lineman, such as Tevin Jenkins. They could have just—I think they could have done a lot more. But <laughs> they wanted to get their quarterback, his, his college running back, and— I guess if that's what he wanted, or if that's what he likes, a happy quarterback means a lot. As we can, as kind of wraps up the theme of the show, is yes. Aaron Rodgers losing his his joy, I guess, of playing in Green Bay. So it's going to be an interesting night, too, to say the least. I think the Aaron Rodgers story is something we just continue to follow. Not even past the weekend, if he doesn't get traded this draft weekend, I'll be interested. Of course, I'll be watching the Broncos because the Broncos right. still have a couple holes to fill. But I am interested to see what the what the NFC East continues to evolve right. to because the Cowboys just got better. The Giants just got more dynamic on offense. The the Washington football team I almost made your mistake. 
It happens, dude. It, it happens. Happen. They they picked Jamin Davis, the linebacker out of yeah, Kentucky, who good was pick. fantastic. Good pick. And that front seven just got even more nasty than it already was last season. And then the Eagles. Obviously, the Eagles are in salary cap hell, so they can't really sign a lot of players. So their only way to improve this season was in the draft. draft. They got they got help for they got a they weapon. Got the for Heisman. Team. They got the Heisman winner, Devontae Smith. So hell help for their new starting quarterback, Jalen Hurts. So I think it'll just be very interesting to see how those NFC East teams continue to better to get better, and then one one ups the other, and then one one ups the other, and then maybe we'll see more trades between those between those. I was surprised players. to see the rivals to make see a trade. The Eagles trade with the Cowboys, and then I think the Giants. They're like, okay, cool. We're going to accumulate more picks yeah. than all of you guys, and just continue to get better. So, so the division that was the worst in the NF, in the NFL last season. I think might be one of the more interesting this season. That's what I think is the might be the coolest part of not only the draft but also just the build up to next season. Yes, is it doesn't seem like any team got worse. It doesn't seem like any team. Maybe the Packers now, I guess, since the Packers are losing their guy. But there are and there's teams that are losing players and that they might also pick up players. But it seems like ever there's almost every team's getting better. It seems like there's a lot of stories in the making here. Dak Prescott's come back. Joe Burrow's going to come back. Mm-hmm. Brady's trying to defend his his throne. Rodgers, where's he going to end up? Bills are on a revenge tour. The Chiefs are still there. It's just, and there's tons of other just aspects to this next season that are going to make it very interesting. And I'm very interested. The draft only proved how great this next season is probably going to be. Yeah. Especially since there's probably going to be full fan attendance. It looks like that's what's going to happen. I think it's going to be a great NFL season. One last note before we get out of here. the commis- Having the commissioner's chair from his basement on, on the set last night was pretty, was pretty fun. And what I've enjoyed about this pandemic time is how creative people can get. Right. And just bring, and bringing that chair back. I can't believe we were all watching. Everybody was watching their drafts from their home. It was a year ago. Right. And this year, and that just that whole year has flown by, so it's been pretty. It's it's been a pretty cool time to live. I, I was disappointed that Bill Belichick's dog Nike, yeah, didn't make it to the the Patriots war room last night. Uh, I thought he was. It's a beautiful animal too. I thought he was very uh, instrumental in the picks last season, but <laughs> I mean we got Mac Jones, so that's cool. Can't really. Let's keep the storylines rolling. I like it. We will have one more episode for you guys before the semester is over. But until then, that's Landon Bethay. I'm Grayson Singleton. God bless. Keep cool. And we'll see you soon.